electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, a number of big retailers reporting earnings next week from Macy's to Home Depot and Lowe's. But the chartmaster sees trouble brewing in the charts. He will explain. Plus, check out shares of Intel soaring on an upgrade from Morgan Stanley. Is this old school chip stock about to go parabolic? The traders will weigh in. But first, we start off with the markets. The Dow surging up nearly 200 points. The Dow and Nasdaq both locking in a nine-week winning streak. This as the U.S. and China inch toward a possible trade deal. Let's get straight to Eamon Javers in Washington for the very latest details on this developing story. Eamon. Melissa, the president met in the Oval Office today with Leo He, the Chinese vice premier, as the two high-level delegations came together after a series of days here in Washington of negotiations at lower levels among the staff. The Chinese delegation announcing they're prepared to stay another couple of days here in Washington, D.C. to continue to hammer out some of the details. All of the rhetoric in the meeting today was positive about the chances for a deal between the United States and China before that March 1st deadline to raise tariffs. Here's how the the president sort of handicapped the chances? I would say that it's more likely that a deal will happen. Uh, the fact that they're staying, and this is a very high delegation. This is a, uh, a man who is uh, revered all throughout China as the vice premier. So the fact that they're willing to stay for um, quite a bit longer period, doubling up the time, that means something. I think there's a good chance that it happens. So the president saying he thinks there's a good chance that the deal could come together. There was a strange moment, though, in the Oval Office when the president and his top trade negotiator, Robert Lighthizer, appeared to disagree about the need for a memorandum of understanding in this deal. The president is sort of expressing his disdain for memorandums of understanding in general. Uh, Lighthizer pushing back on that, disagreeing with the president, and then ultimately uh, capitulating and saying, we, were, we will not call anything a memorandum of understanding again going forward. So the president getting his way in a negotiation with his own trade negotiator there in the Oval Office as well. Guys. <laughs> and I think he wanted to call a term sheet as they would like in a real estate transaction, Eamon. So I thought, right. I thought that was very telling in terms of what the president's uh, context is in, in making a deal, so to speak. Right. He brings um, a commercial real estate background to this. Right. And that's his, that's his prism that he e looks exactly. at. Exactly. But uh, Eamon, in terms of Secretary Mnuchin's comments on making some progress about currency manipulation on the part of China, do we have any understanding as to what that might entail? We don't. We're going to have to do a little bit more reporting to find out what the specifics are under that. But ultimately, you know, I think the way to take all of this is this is a lot of positive rhetoric. Everybody is signaling that progress is being made. Everybody is signaling that we're getting closer to a deal. Uh, but, you know, as they say in these negotiations, nothing is agreed to until everything is agreed to. And that's sort of where they are. Ultimately, it seems that the president really wants to put the final ink on this deal, whether it's a memor memorandum of understanding or whatever it is in the end. Uh, he wants to do that face to face with Xi Jinping. Uh, and that could happen at Mar-a-Lago in March, the president said today. All right. Eamon, thank you. Have a great yeah. weekend. Eamon Javers from the White House. And it has been a stock market battle royale between the U.S. and China. Check out where we stand right now. The S&P 500 is up 11 percent so far this year, while the FXI, the large cap China ETF, 
is up 13%, although it's still in correction territory. So if there is a trade deal, is the U.S. your best bet or does China have more to gain? I'm begging you, can, they, can you tell the crack staff in EC to pl- please stop? I thought we established that this is a miserable song. I actually requested all, it, I'm, knowing that you think it's miserable. I'm not going to answer until they stop playing. We'll, so I'll sit here all night. Then I'll go I'll to sit Tim. Here in the I'll go show. to Tim. I'll I would rather Tim. be in. No, go to Tim, but I'm going to give you a quick answer. <laughs> there are two stocks I would rather be in. I would be in if there's some sort of deal. Assuming, and by, by the way, I'm not certain there's going to be a deal, but I'll tell you, Caterpillar would trade back to the levels that we saw in October, which is 155. And Wynn Resorts, which has had a tremendous run off 100, will trade up to about 155, 160 as well. Those are the two places I would go. Two things that look very similar right now, commodities and China. And if you look at what's outperforming in this market, materials and China continue to be the story. And if you think about, we talk every day, what's rallied, what's still got some room to go. Obviously, emerging markets, China, materials, industrials are the ones that were most hit back in March of 2018. That, to me, is exactly where we're seeing the momentum. The FXI broke back above some key resistance today. Shanghai back above the 200-day, first time in a year. This is telling you that you're getting different market participation and different dynamics here. Yeah, well, for me, my concern is that we might have priced a lot of this in, right? So maybe we get this pause that refreshes here. doesn't mean that I'm necessarily bearish. It's just that in the U.S., we've priced a lot of stuff in. Frankly, even in China, we probably priced a lot of stuff in. So instead of playing Would You Rather, I'll go with the, the brother from your another mother and check out Europe. They've been hardest hit by this entire thing. China's their biggest customer. If China's going to recover, then Europe's going to recover. You want Europe. Yeah, Europe. So like Germany, if you want to do the ETF, EWG is the, is the uh, ETF there. The other thing that's great about going into Europe is you don't have the currency dynamics you have between the U.S. dollar and the, China, and the Chinese yuan. That is likely to stay stable as Munchen uh, cut a deal where Europe can probably cut rates, weaken the euro, and do pretty well and in the The bad thing about going to Europe is that you've got a slowdown pretty much across the board, terrible PMIs coming out, and you've exactly. got an ECB. Exactly. It can with, only get better from here. you've got an ECB with very few things that they can do at this they point. Can, they can print stimulus. all the euros but they want. They've takes. got TLT on whatever, whatever it takes. takes. Yeah. But, yeah. but your perception, Mel, by the way, is, is what the market thinks. The market, you had a bad EFO today in Germany. The, the data coming out of Europe over the last two quarters has been not great. I, I think we've priced in um, Europe not only grinding to a, to a stop, but that actually have negative contraction. You know, it's interesting. So uh, what Eamon was just talking about, it's like a memorandum of understanding or something. Mm-hmm. Thing. It sounds an awful lot like after the G20 on December 3rd, uh, the level of understanding we had about a trade deal with China. We gapped up that morning and then we just flushed after it because people thought there was really no teeth to it and did not think that the Chinese were willing to kind of commit to the sort of things that would take to do a long-standing deal, not just dealing with a trade deficit. Look at the S&P 500, where we kind of stopped out here a little bit or kind of touching on resistance very near 2800 that was the level in early december so to me you know i think there is a lot priced in unless there is something very very substantive you're acting like this trade deal is something that has to have substance my my view is that this is a trade deal that you know first of all we talk about currency manipulation i mean this is something we've we've either had the ability to argue about for the last decade and found some way to at times say this is not a big deal. Both sides want a, an opportunity for an agreement. 
This is going to be but a isn't trade that, deal. It doesn't that, matter what is, it is. Isn't the currency manipulation thing just kind of a headline, right? As soon as we yeah. need to start easing again, won't we will be manipulating our currency? Isn't that what we did during but you're, QE? You're, you know, I'm just saying, but it's all smoke and mirrors. These, these don't mean anything. Unless I'm, we address those really important issues about intellectual property and technology transfer, those are the big issues. It's not but the But from the market's deficit. perspective, Dan, it doesn't matter because I don't know that uh, this administration is going to really push for protection on IP and, and fraud and all the other things that are, I think, both but sides isn't of the that aisle. exactly what the economists are saying, though? These are the long-term problems that need to be fixed. It's not this trade deficit right. issue. But from the market's perspective, let's just say yes, there's no that. further escalation of tariffs. And let's say, best case scenario, the tariffs that were put in place in 2018 were rolled back. What, what would the market reaction be? And the knee-jerk, positive without question, understanding that we've rallied some 400 or so S&P points from the December 24th low. But then the next question is, and you've asked it, so I'll answer before you ask it again, is does that put the Fed back in play? BK would say probably no. And I'd say if you see a reacceleration, probably yes. I think there's no shot the Fed comes back. I mean, they told us today that they're going to look for inflation that's going to be above 2% before they even think about uh, raising rates again. So I think the Fed's out of the picture for 2019. I I just think that we probably have priced in everything here. We know we're not going to get an intellectual property deal in the next three days. We're going to maybe get some kind of movement forward, but that's what the market's priced in. So until the market sells off, I think it's riskier to buy today clearly than it was a couple weeks ago. Well, it, there's, yes. So, but every time we think that the market can't go higher, the pain trade is higher. And, and I'm telling you, with expectations so low on global growth, I, I'm of the view, by the way, the Chinese economy in the second half of the year is actually going to reaccelerate. I think GDP um, is probably going to be 6.8, maybe 6.78 percent, um, which is above where it is now. They've cut rates. They've stim- they gave you stimulus. They have triple R cuts. Um, and I think the worst is priced in. It's the same thing with Europe. I'm not telling you it's great. I'm telling you, when markets are able to move higher, when they have moved higher in 2016 when there was no growth, it wasn't on, hey, earnings are going to be great and the global growth is great. It's that things aren't as bad as we thought. So where in the world? Where in the world on a trade deal would you invest? Um, listen, I think the U.S. is obviously, you know, you know like, think about some of the businesses that have been hurt here since these tariffs went into place or since the fear of these tariffs. You know, we would see, uh, you know, probably increased CapEx. We know that that's been a problem for much of 2018 that we're expecting. All of the benefit of the tax cut that was supposed to be in CapEx quickly got kneecapped as soon as the fear of tariffs came in and then once the tariffs did. So, you know, to me, I think the U.S. trading at mid-teens multiple is pretty fair. The only thing that I get really nervous about is this, is that here we are in the 10th year of this economic recovery and we have a very dovish Fed where rates where they are, where all these things that they used to dot plot against and everything, they're moving the goalposts all over the place. And we have a 10-year Treasury yield at 265. And that doesn't say to me anything about reacceleration of global growth. It just doesn't say it to me. It's not about yep. that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Stocks and bonds are saying two very different things. And this week tells you that tale. VIX hits 13, so eight, eight straight weeks, I think, of, of markets moving higher, VIX moving lower. So, um, but that's the whole point. I think expectations are very different than they were three months ago. And that's for markets enough to keep them inching higher. Right. And it's better It's better if the Fed is easing for markets. We've known that over the last nine years or so. That's that's the entire point. Actually, the whole last 30-year bull market is because Feds have been easing the entire time. So that's actually good for stocks. I'm not saying it's good for the world. It's good for stocks in the short run. But if you're asking other places to play that haven't necessarily run as much as the stock markets, why not energy? If we're getting reflation, if we're getting a turnaround in Europe and in China and we're saying maybe it's going to spill over here to the U.S., 
you're going to need a lot more oil. And I think energy is the way to play. It hasn't completely run up yet. Here's a plot twist, though. You're gonna, I like when you do this. A what? The, yeah. plot, the plot twist. twist. Oh, the, Ooh, plot a, twist. a trade war with the EU. They just said today that they would target companies like Caterpillar, Xerox, Samsonite, if the U.S. decides, hey, you know what, we're going to put the auto tariffs on. They've got their list of tariffs ready to go. That's the next. So if the Chinese, if there's a deal with the Chinese, then, what's the, then yeah. you move on to the next thing. It's like but, whack-a-mole. But I, that, that's a fun game. I hurt my hand sometimes because you want to be so quick to whack the mole. And, you know, when at my age... It's a technique, yeah. it's not force. Anyway. I'll say this. To answer your original question, I'll go back and say Tim would agree with this one. U.S. Steel was a $46 stock when President Trump started talking about tariffs this time last year. Traded down to $18.24 now. I think that's a stock that goes higher. But I'll just throw this in because why not? The Chinese have waited this long. They see what's going on here. I'm sure they watch 60 Minutes. They see what's going on in the landscape in the United States. Their markets have seemingly bottomed and recovered somewhat. Why would they be in such a hurry to make some deal when they can string this thing along? That would be my concern. Coming up, as we mentioned, the Nasdaq posting a record nine-week winning streak. It's longest since 1999. So if you're worried the party might be over, we will tell you how you can protect your portfolio. Plus, Intel soaring today, adding to its rally this year. And one analyst says the stock is about to soar another 20%. We'll tell you why he's so bullish. And later, check out shares of Kraft, the stock having its worst day ever. But if you're losing money, don't worry. We'll tell you how to make some of it back. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Intel getting a boost today following an upgrade from equal weight to an overweight by Morgan Stanley. It is our call of the day. The firm calling for more than 20% upside in the stock, pointing to the transition of uh, Bob Swan into full-time CEO as a big catalyst for growth. Intel's already up nearly 12% this year. So is this a major turning point for this stock, Dan? Yeah, I I think it has more to do with the macro, if anything else. I think Bob Swan, everyone was very comfortable with that um, appointment. There didn't seem to be anybody more interesting about it, but you just had it's up 12% of the year. Um, it's still well off its 52-week highs. It's trading at about 11 times. Here's the thing. Expectations are fairly low right now. I think earnings and sales are expected to be flat year over year. And if we get any more clarity on global growth and the situation with trade with China, um, this company with this balance sheet, where their lever to autonomous, to IoT, to data center, um, this thing is going to be in the high 50s very soon if the, all those things sort of happen as far as trade and global growth again in 2019. Don't you think, though, that Intel, which is drastically underperformed the semis uh, as a group, probably 900 basis points a year to date, is, is, is the choice? I mean, I hear you being bullish, but I, yeah. to me, this is a table-pounding moment on some level. If you believe that this whole thing's going higher, Intel, because of that diversification, because of that balance sheet, and because I actually think that they tend to be overly conservative at times, and I think those are the numbers we got in the first quarter. 
Well, if you look, talk to the sentiment, all the analysts on Wall Street, I'd say all of them, but the majority of analysts on Wall Street either have holds or sell. Only about 45% of the analysts on Wall Street have a buy on this. So there's a lot more room for upgrades in this, is my point. So again, break above 50, you know where your stop out is. That's a great risk reward trade. So I'm with these guys. I mean, why wouldn't you want to buy it? I tend to look over. Right? You know, it's like I'm in class. I look yeah. over the student to my right's shoulder. Are you for cheating? The, for the, I'm not cheating. You, he always gets the right I, answers I, I right just, here, though. I mean, but I look weird. over Dan because yeah. I make because he has these great charts yeah. and he's right. 57 and a half. If you go back to sort of May of last year, was the level of this top data. That's another 10-ish percent from where we are, and I think that's pretty reasonable given the market we find ourselves in. That's why I think, though, it tops out. He's looking at, does it bother you he looks at your screens? Every day. I, mean, <laughs> I would think he'd have original Every ideas. I mean, his screens yeah. are pretty good looking. Every day. Um, yeah. By the way, if you believe in Intel, do you have to believe in a recovering data center, which had seen a rough patch in the latest quarter, as well as PC? I mean, PC is not a huge Well, PC actually was a big surprise hard. in 2018. Right. I think That's expectations a, right. were for a data center were going to be higher than. But now they've come down, you know. And so here's the other thing. We're also getting to a point where we're going to see Uber, Lyft, all these guys go public. We're going to see more talk about Waymo. Autonomous is going to be something that's going to be valued inside of these companies. And we're going to start thinking about who are these companies that were so levered. Don't forget, remember NVIDIA when it went up like 300% in a couple of years? What was it levered to? Autonomous was one of those big areas. So to me, I think Intel's well-positioned. A new CEO who's going to have to make his own mark. Go back and look at Satya Nadella. Some of these other guys, when they've taken over some of these big behemoths, they'll do some interesting things here. Like a um, deal? Possibly a deal. They've been. They bought a lot of things. They bought well, the good, the good Altera a couple years ago. Yeah, and the Nirvana. good thing about Intel is it's levered to multiple, multiple different line. industries, right? So you asked, does do you have to believe in data center? You can, but you don't have to. To Dan's point on Nvidia, it was one or two things that really hit this. And if you want to play that big theme of mobility, Intel is probably one of the better ways to play it. So you have multiple different levers, sentiment, uh, different types of industries that can go with a great risk reward. The problem here is that, first of all, if we feel better about the environment where enterprises spending on, on such services, that's great, except for the fact that I will say it's becoming all very commoditized and very, very crowded. Everybody seems to be laying claim to this exact same space in one form or another. That's my pushback to say, hey, I think margins probably get less interesting than more interesting in the short run. Would you rather quickly? I like this game. Oh. It was twice in one show. Quickly. Go. Intel. I didn't do the other one that beat, beat yourself. yourself. Would you rather? Oh, would you rather? Oh. Intel or Xilinx? Because I know Xilinx. you like Xilinx. Oh. I'll tell you right now. Xilinx. And I know the stock you has gone from 90 to 100. Right? Huh? You did a power pitch on that? We power pitched that yeah. a while back. I think it was a $92 stock. And I remember Dan looked at me and said I'd rather do so Yeah. He would Anything rather do else something but Xilinx. Exactly. Ha ha! You Jokes did. on you there, pal. But to answer your question, <laughs> to answer your question, Xilinx, because now thirty-one billion-dollar market cap, U.S. is Intel going to make a deal? I'm not suggesting they buy Xilinx, but this is sort of the sweet spot of where top technology is in 2019. For more on Intel, head on over to tradingnation.cnbc.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. It's a bloodbath for shares of Kraft Heinz, the stock getting slammed. But if you're bleeding money, don't worry. Mike Cole will tell you how to get some of it back. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. Netflix is heading to the red carpet. But will a boatload of Oscars really make it an award-winning stock? The traders weigh in. There's much more Fast Money right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. A big weekend for Netflix as its film Roma could bring home the Oscar for the streaming giant's first ever Best Picture nomination. It is spending a whopping $25 million on its Oscars campaign for the movie. But can Netflix really take on the Hollywood elite? Media mogul and Fast Money friend Tom Rogers commenting on this on CNBC's Squawk Box earlier today. I don't think it's going to win. And the reason I don't think it's going to win goes to the heart of your question. I think it is such a disruptive pick for the Academy to end up embracing something that is really going to go to the heart of movie theatrical distribution and the whole windowing system it has. So can Netflix win? Is it a loss for the rest of Hollywood, Guy? If Tom Rogers says they're not going to win, they're not going to win. Tom Rogers is the man. He's on this show. He usually sits next to Tim on the hook over there. Loves our show. He's probably watching right now. Stud. So if he says not going to win, they're not going to win. Now, in terms of the stock, let me be clear. A couple weeks ago when it was 330, I thought it would trade 300 before 350, and here we are at 363. R-O-N-G wrong, as I like to say. However, go back about four or five months ago. It topped out at 375. We're approaching that level. Look, I think the tape's going to reverse. I think if the tape reverses, Netflix reverses as well. I don't think it has to win, though. I mean, they haven't won up to this point, and it really hasn't dented the company one bit. It would be a nice-to-have, but it's not a must-to-have. And I think, at, you know, at these levels, maybe you get a little bit of a sell-off. But the story with Netflix is not about whether Roma wins. I mean, I don't even know what the movie's about, but... Not Romo, uh, Roma. You know, oh, Romo. Romo. Oh, I thought it was a Roma. You see it right there. Oh, not tomatoes. Oh. I, I like Disney here. The way this stock has reacted since they reported their earnings, which no one was particularly excited about, is rallied about 5%. It's trading at like multi month lows here. Just think what's happening here. Cap and Marvel's coming in March. Uh, Avengers Endgame in April. We're having another Spider Man in the July. Marvel people are going crazy. We're going to end the year with something from the Star Wars family. All right. Well, you know, another big weekend, a winner this weekend. What's could be? that? Pot, 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 pot. Um, the red carpet is set to look a little greener this year as one of the luxury swag bags given to nominees is filled with cannabis-infused products. In fact, check out what's reportedly in the bag. They've got edibles, topicals made by Coda Signature, a VIP membership to Medicine of the Angels Pot Shop, even cannabis moisturizer, facial oil. So the awards won't be the only thing celebs are taking home. Even Hollywood might be embracing the cannabis craze. Tim. Wow. Well, I, I cannabis exfoliated before this show, so I mean, Did I, you really? I, I, I was going to, you're glowing. No question. Extra, yeah. extra soft. It's nice. <laughs> Look, if you think about it, California is not only the biggest market in our country, it's the biggest market in the world. So this is the largest legal market. It's not a surprise when you consider perception change. And if you think about the country, 80 million people live in a place where adult use is totally legal. Um, 120 House seats, 25 Senate seats. I mean, you can put all these numbers together and it tells you it's not shocking 
that this is going on. And let's face it, Hollywood's, you know, a little edgier than some places as it relates to stuff like this. So um, it's going to be, uh, you know, even if, you know, whatever you need to do to watch the movie. I wonder if there's going to be THC products in there. That should make the Oscars interesting. <laughs> All right, let's uh, do the final yeah. trades here. Tim. Yeah, if you think about the recovery in China, I would make an argument that actually the casinos, especially those Macau-related, have been really tied to consumption patterns. I like win here. I actually think they continue to outperform. BK. Well, energy is the economy. And so if we are going to get some kind of boost in the economy from a trade deal, from the Fed, from whoever you want to talk about it, energy XOP is the way I play it. Dan? Yeah, stay tuned for the OA. Carter and I are going to do a rare tag team on hmm. retail, XRT. Oh, Rip that off from Mike yeah. and I. Uh, shout out to Brad Cooper who watches the show. Brad, I hope you win <laughs> best. Uh, did I laugh a little too heartily at you that? Did. Anyway, you did. You should have it in your head. Brad's watching right now. I'm Good luck sure. on Sunday night. Twitter, Twitter, don't be scared. They, they took their medicine already there, Mel. All right, don't move. Options Action starts right after this break. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.